Maybe it's not new, but it's news on this week's Always Listening. Welcome to Always Listening. We're your hosts. I'm Joel. I'm Jay. And if you're in Cincinnati, I'm not recording you. <laughs> At least not by film. <laughs> Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I don't know that story. Was there a scandal in Cincinnati? Yeah, apparently the Patriots again. They were they were filming a document. Well, here's the deal. They were filming a documentary about, the, and they've been doing it all season, documentaries about like the behind the scenes guys you know, like the trainers and the scouts and whatever. And this one was about an advanced scout who was at the Bengals-Browns game. The Patriots got permission from the Browns because it was at Cleveland where this game was happening, but they failed to inform the Bengals and the NFL that they were filming this in the press box. And, of course, there was a filming scandal with the New England Patriots previous, and so it's all blown up into this whole big miscommunication And because you look at the tape and they're filming the game and you see the sidelines and it's like, yeah, that's B-roll. That's what you do in a documentary. And of course, this particular division of craft enterprises is separate from the football division. Oh, sure. Oh, oh, there's a, I I guarantee you there's an iron curtain. I'm sure those videotapes will never (laughs) wander across. Hi, here's the thing. I'm I don't I don't follow uh, I don't follow football that closely. Uh, it, definitely not the NFL. I I also don't follow baseball basically at all. So I am like just now in the past few days have been reading a few articles. Oh, the Astros about the Astros is cheating scandal. Here's the, it blows my mind though. They were literally banging the signals out on a on a trash can. You could hear them on the. On the t- television presentations, apparently, you can hear the code if you go back and watch the games, and and it's one of those situations where like they're cheating out in the open. It's funny, Jay. On last episode, we literally used the line: "If you're not cheating, you're not trying." <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know. Oh, <sighs> all right. Well, we've got some interesting stories to get to today. Well, I said it's not new, but it's definitely news. A lot of these things seem to be companies or initiatives or announcements of new things for an individual or a group or an organization it's not really new to the podcast industry we we know that many companies especially have a habit in this space but in all of the spaces in business they have a habit of claiming newness when maybe this ground has been tread before this is my plea to the podcasting press and I've had this plea before, but I mean, come on. I mean, I get you're a quote unquote journalist and being a journalist means that you're just keeping, if it's, if it's a news item, you're just tracking it. You're, you're journaling it at some point though, have a little bit of editorial oversight over yourself and understand that just because this one gentleman at Spotify has recently discovered the wonders of dynamic ad insertion that it's not new. Like it's new to him. Sure. And Spotify is obviously a very important player 
in the business. But it's it's like uh, the, the, uh, anyway. The the point though beyond the article about the wondrous discovery of dynamic ad insertion, which is not the point that I really wanted to harp on, was more about the fact that it really breaks down what's happening with EW scripts. Now, they are a longtime broadcaster uh, in this space. Uh, not necessarily the podcasting space, but television, radio, etc. They are media. They are very media savvy. They've been involved in podcasting for a little while now. And over the time that EW Scripts has gotten involved in podcasting, they have slowly bought different companies and now actually control an entire podcasting chain from production with Stitcher Originals in Earwolf, Omni Studios, from distribution, listening on Stitcher, and monetization with Midroll and Triton. Those are all the companies that EW Scripts owns. So when people wonder, why are independents so afraid of these big companies getting involved? Well, this big company now owns the entire chain. So what is the independent, how does the independent fit into that particular picture? Because let's say your show is distributed on Stitcher. Does EW Scripts have any sort of reason to promote your show, even if it's a large one? If you're not part of the other three parts of the company, uh, what if you are being monetized by mid-roll, but you're not part of the hosting and the production? There's actually a story going on right now of a gentleman who's claiming that he was bullied by the folks there at EW Scripts to move his show to Omni, uh, and that's sort of getting into that. It was It's kind of funny, though, because his whole reasoning for not wanting to go into Omni is the whole... <laughs> Is they're tracking a lot of the uh, data in the background, and Omnia Sims come out and said that we're GDPR compliant and, and whatever. But the platform he decided to release his bullying message on was YouTube, which does it to a much worse degree. Ah, <laughs> uh, James Cridlin, I tell you, you do yeoman's work, and your snarkiness is not lost on me when you report some of these stories. But in any case. This is the reason why independents are afraid of the large companies getting involved, because where does the independent fit into this picture? Eventually, there will come a point when EW Script looks at their bottom line and goes, oh, you're not hosted on Omni with us? I'm sorry, we can no longer monetize your show or distribute your show via Stitcher. And that's where the fear comes in. Now, we might be years away from something like that happening, but trust me, We've seen it happen before. There's no reason why it won't happen again. First of all, here's my mandatory uh, complaint about medium.com. Paolo McCarty, <laughs> the author of uh, the author of this uh, blog post. Why don't you want us to know what your website is? Don't you have a company or brand or personal uh, name to establish? Please get a domain, get a website, host on your, or, you know, blogger.com slash my name is fine too, but you're making Medium uh, famous uh, even more than you need. They need to be. This is a terrible podcast, idea. Podcast partnerships at Spotify in the San Francisco Bay area. <laughs> there you go. Look at that. But man, like, write it on your own thing. Don't put it on Medium. Okay, but after that, right at the top of this, there is a. And by the way, the link is in the show notes. Uh, it, see, even though I hate Medium, I will post the link in the show notes. Um, you guys should go and check out the little graph that they have, which you just described, Jay. The the 
pattern of companies that EW Scripps owns and how they connect as a you know unified whole for podcasting. Um, it reminds me of you know the Apple idea that it's it's better to own the whole widget. You know, you want to you want to own the whole stack, any integrated and important technologies or, um, you know, things that are integral to the success of your final products should be owned in house as well. Disney is doing the same thing, right? We talked a couple of weeks ago about how Disney went and bought the streaming technology years before Disney Plus rolled out. They knew that that's what they were working towards. They had other apps already in different territories, and they they saw a great product here. Uh, Bob Iger goes years before the new Star Wars film uh, films begin and buys the company Sphero, who makes the little ball. He doesn't know what they're going to do with that yet, but then all of a sudden he goes, wait a minute, Star Wars has, they're, they're going to make a ball droid. We could make a toy version of that thing when it comes out. He was ahead of BB-8. That's impressive. But that's an example of how Disney owns the whole stack. They, they run from the top to the bottom, and, and they do a great job of doing that. That's one of the great uh, hallmarks of Iger's time there. This looks scary for podcasters, just as you laid it out, Jay, when you see all these companies and all the control that they have. However, I'll just point out, it's no different in actuality than the total stack that Spotify now owns as well. You know, Spotify is itself a distribution platform. They now own hosting uh, companies. They own production companies. They own monetization companies as well. And they are integrating that entire stack for their own shows. And we believe they will begin to offer that in a broad public way. They're already making partnerships on a regular basis. I heard another one the other day. There's a a show that's being brought back featuring a couple of the McElroys and a couple of guys from uh, Polygon. It's called Besties. It's about video games. It, It had been defunct for several years now. And Spotify bought it. And they're going to make original weekly content starting somewhere in the new year, you know? Do we hate Spotify? Are we scared of Spotify? Not really. We've been... Spotify is something to watch out for. As long as their terms don't drastically change, we want to be there as a distribution medium. We need to be eyes open about what they want from us and what we can gain from them. Same thing here. Same thing here. I think, currently, there is not any player in the space that... And by this, I mean actual, like, in point player. There's no distribution point that has enough of an audience monopoly to demand terms from us as the individual creators, really. None of them can demand our fealty. Many of them are big enough to demand our interest and attention. Spotify, Google, Definitely Apple, of course, continues to be that. Stitcher, I think, continues to be that, even though they're a much smaller player. Overcast, even though it's a much smaller player, it's big enough at this point, and it's got a certain kind of listener that uses the Overcast app. You and I both want to be there. We, we, you know, the Most podcasters want to be there. I think that that will continue, and we're going to have more diversification and more... Um, fragmentation of the audience of the listening audience as the audience grows not less i'm just not worried about consolidation for the listeners which means i'm not really worried about an actual monopoly situation for any one company so i hear you on that uh with spotify remember i was the one warning about the emperor with no clothes for a very very long time uh because of the way that they were importing 
the podcast. Now, they seem to have changed. They're all passed through. Everyone's getting their own dynamic ads passed through on Spotify, so that's great. When you talk about uh, the fragmentation of the audience, sure, the reason why there isn't a a company big enough to, to cause that sort of of fealty that you're talking about is because Apple is still the dominant one and Apple still is doing podcasting out of the kindness of their hearts. The problem that will come, Joel, is when Apple no longer is the dominant player on the on the space. And that's coming. Right? Everybody sees it's coming. Spotify is quickly reaching that level. There are more and more players being added to this space on a monthly basis as a yearly basis there's just it's going to happen and when apple finally is no longer the leader in the space that's when i fear we're going to start seeing some of those things start to happen not out of the kindness of these companies hearts but more as a bottom line uh oh you're not hosting on anchor through Spotify, I'm sorry, we can't promote your show. Your show will not be presented in the algorithms to recommendations for other podcasts for people to listen to. Your show's just not big enough for us to have that deal yet. Oh, your show is humongous and and you're bringing all these listeners to our platform. Let's talk. Let's let's make a partnership. Let's make a deal. We're going to we're going to sign a check to you. Is this check big enough? That's that's what's going to that's what's going to happen. Because that's what has to happen. That's the way economy works. Uh, you can reach me at joel at propodcastingservices.com if you want to <laughs> ask about that check and how big it needs to be. Um, <laughs> but I honestly, this is why I pay my annual subscription for Overcast. Overcast is a free app to use. Uh, there's a subscription you can get through the App Store for like nine ninety nine a year. I don't even know if we get any extra functionality anymore. I think we do. There's a handful of things that, that I get because of that. Oh, I know one thing is you can turn off ads, but I specifically don't because I like the way the ads are presented in the app. I leave them on. Um, but the reason why I pay the nine ninety nine is because I want to continue funding the development of that app. I know Marco uh, has this same desire for an independent ecosystem of podcasting to exist, and he has repeatedly made the statement that he's not going anywhere and his marketplace is not going anywhere. So even if these other companies begin to lock it down, I think the Todd Cochran's of the world and the Marco Arments of the world uh, will still stand for the independent producer. So I, I think that it, it's up to us if we want that to continue to support them where we can and to continue to be vigilant and loud about negative practices from these larger companies when they begin to use their monopolies in, in, in negative ways. And that's what this is. I mean, if you look at this stack, this is a monopoly of a sense. It's not a monopoly in that they don't control the whole podcasting thing, but they control the whole stack within their ecosystem, which means that they could use that against just as Jay said, the independent producer. When we see that type of activity, we have to speak loudly about it. Jay, isn't it nice that we're in the middle of a creation of an independent body of podcasters that could work together and uh, speak as Are one we, voice? Though? Well, I mean, it's been announced. It's it's in the works. It's trying. You know, where is that IPA? I don't. Is it is it finished? Has it finished brewing yet? No, it's not. I don't think it's seasoned. We got to leave it in the barrels a little mm. longer. Mm. Better hop to it. 
Um, Jay, let's talk about our second story here. And again, it's not new, but it is news. Um, Facebook is working on a bunch of apps. Now, Facebook works on new apps all the time. We, we always think about them buying Instagram. We think about them buying, uh, you know, WhatsApp. That's not the only way that they grow. They also have skunk works within the company on the regular, on a regular basis. But the headline here, I think that people are going to hear is that Facebook is working on a podcasting app. That is true, but we're talking about a group somewhere between 10 and 15 employees, maybe, that are working on this one project within the behemoth that is Facebook. Thousands and thousands of employees for the total company. We're talking about maybe 15 people working on this project. It's very small. It's very early stages. They are experimenting on if there is something there. However, it is interesting for me to hear that Facebook sees an opportunity uh, in the podcast space, specifically the quote that you pulled out here, audio services also seem ripe for disruption, the people said. The wealth of information that Facebook has on users from its newsfeed could easily provide a personalized listening experience, they suggested. Um, this is an interesting opportunity, I think, because it's like Spotify, maybe new listeners, period. Yeah, it's not only a new audience, but it's one that probably hasn't been exposed to podcasting yet. And we know that from the research, the wonderful research done by the folks over at Edison Research, that it's an older audience sitting over there on Facebook. And there's currently no way to play audio on Facebook. You can only watch videos. Uh, they are also using Facebook as their internet, kind of like we used AOL back in the day. If Joel's going to steal stuff from me on our note, then I'm going to steal stuff he said before we started recording. I mean, these guys are on Facebook, they're living on Facebook, and they don't have that audio player. So this would be a great opportunity because these guys aren't very tech savvy. They just don't know how to use their phone the way that we end up using our phone or, or even an iPod, which I still use to this very day. Uh, so this is a great opportunity. I'm super excited about it. And Joel, you mentioned that this is just a small team within the behemoth. Well, this is exactly what's happening at Google and Google Podcasts. They've only got a very small team working on the Google Podcasts. It's exactly why Google Play is still something that exists in the behemoth. Well, and, and it's interesting to me because of what Google continues to try to experiment with with YouTube Red or YouTube Premium. They, they, I think they've changed the branding on it recently, but it's gone away from, um, hey, we've got these really premium shows and movies and stuff that you can watch when you pay our subscription service. Now what they highlight is the ads go away and they highlight the fact that you can listen to content with the screen turned off. You can lock the screen or I think maybe even use it picture in picture and other things like that that allows you to take that content and continue to use your device, which is just what you were describing there, Jay. I think, I think it's interesting that Facebook goes, oh, wait, we could do that too. We could do that too. Um, <laughs> speaking of, let's talk about what Google is doing. Why don't we hear? Yeah, I'm curious. I mean, so it was just announced uh, recently that um, Google has made it a little bit easier for people that use Google Assistant to find podcasts. So they can now ask for a show simply by a topic, saying something like, uh, hey, Google, show me podcasts about skiing. Um, so in this particular article, it mentions that the assistant has already been recommending podcasts based on other searches, but this is the first time users can specifically request podcast content. 
Uh, and it is important that you still use the word podcast in your request to get results on podcasts. And of course, my thing is, is this really going to help drive the needle for podcast listening? I just don't, I just, I, I wonder because it takes months at a time to develop this sort of functionality. I'm wondering if that's the best use of Google's time. So I'm of two minds here. First of all, I think you and I both are at, at a little bit of a loss on this topic because neither one of us uses uh, Google devices very heavily, and in particular, we don't use the Google Assistant at all. Neither one of us does. Uh, I do use the Amazon Assistant regularly, and I use Apple's Voice Assistant on a regular basis, and I have used both to search for podcasts. I think the overall idea of adding topics, it's less about the voice assistant as a, as a new part of this, and it's more about the continued rollout of what Google has been saying they're going to do for a long time, the transcription and the categorization of the world of podcasts. And I think this is what that really is. They're saying confidently now that if you tell us what topic you want to hear about, we can find the podcasts that relate to that. Um, so I'm positive about that. The other thing that I'm excited about is the fact that Google continues to open this up. There's a line in the second paragraph here that says Google is working on a feature that will give publishers, I'm assuming that means podcast publishers, the ability to specify where someone can listen to their show outside of Google Podcasts, such as other apps or a website. So that means not only when you say you know, uh, hey, Googly, uh, show me podcasts about skiing. Will my podcast, Great Vermont Skiing, come up? But specifically, it might say, would you like to go to greatvermontskiing.com or listen to this in Spotify or Apple Podcasts if you're on a Apple device? Because the, you got to remember the Google Assistant works on Apple devices too. I am constantly reminded of people who are multi-device users. They're like a Windows user at work or, or in their home PC and they're an iPhone user on the go. They don't have a tablet at all maybe, uh, et cetera, et cetera. They're probably Chrome users, and I bet they use Chrome on their phones as well so that they sync their browsing history, right? You can't do that if you're not on a Mac uh, with Safari. You can't sync with Safari. So um, anyway, all of those folks might be using this, and all of those folks now can find podcasts a little easier. I think that's a good thing. The ongoing question is, what's the UI? How many podcasts are they going to give me about skiing? How, how how do I choose mm. which one, right? Yep. And my guess is that the algorithm is going to lean more towards the popular choice, which, again, is the fair way, I suppose. But it goes back to the point that there isn't a discoverability problem. There's a discoverability problem of your podcast. Yeah. Uh, when are they going to kill Google Play? Who who can we talk to at Google Play about, um, or who can we talk to at Google about killing that off? Sundar Punchai, uh, Sundar is now in charge of the entire company. I, I heard they restructured last week. Um, Larry and, and uh, Sergey are both stepping down as uh, CEOs of Alphabet. So Sundar is in charge of everything now. He should be able to get rid of Google Play Music. I'm hoping or Google Play Podcast support at least. 
Let's talk about our sponsor for this show. This episode and every episode through the end of the year is brought to you by the Sleep With Me podcast. Sleep With Me podcast, of course, is uh, Andrew Ackerman. We mentioned uh, last episode he's going to be uh, one of the uh, featured speakers for PodFest coming up in March in Orlando. Go check that out. Uh, But... He doesn't want us to talk about him. He doesn't want us to talk about the podcast. He wants us to talk about Pogs, the strange history of Pogs. I love our sponsors. I do not love Pogs. The strange this, this history Pogs of Pogs thing. is linked in the uh, the show notes there. You should go check that out if you haven't already and remind yourself of this. But, Jay, last week we talked about uh, Pogman, and in particular, that branched off into a Hanna-Barbera run. We were discussing Captain, Captain Caveman, Caveman and how it seemed in many ways that – uh, Pogman was a ripoff. It occurred to me, though, afterwards that we, we've got another one that might be sort of a ripoff of Captain Caveman or vice versa. And I don't know about the creation dates of either one of those characters, so it's hard for me to tell. But the, oh. the, our featured Pog today is a Looney Tunes Pog, uh, my buddy and yours, Taz, the Tasmanian Devil. I love Taz. I had a bunch of – I had Taz T-shirts when I was a kid. I had a big Taz stuffed animal the whole nine yards. Uh, Tasmanian Devil was always one of my favorite characters. Unlike so many of Bugs Bunny's antagonists, Taz was not evil, right? Like like Yosemite Sam was a bad guy. That was clear. Elmer Fudd was a bad guy. That was clear. Even Daffy Duck was often a bad guy. Taz was not a bad guy. He was just hungry. Uh, he was just hungry and wanted to eat the rabbit. Um, I love the Tasmanian Devil. I love this pose in particular. But last week, our discussion made me wonder. I, I, I wonder if Captain Caveman inspired Taz or vice versa. And likewise, I wonder if Taz had anything to do with the creation of the Pog Man. They're they're all sort of similar characters, monosyllabic in some ways, lovable in their buffoonery uh, and savagery, sort of. <laughs> So, uh, interesting. I never really linked, uh, Captain Caveman to Tasmanian devil, but having seen the pictures side by side, there's, there are some obvious, uh, similarities between the two. The Tasmanian devil, um, first appeared June 19th, 1954. Uh, Captain Caveman, uh, first uh, appears that he first appeared in 1977. Oof. So, so 20 years late. So yeah, Hanna-Barbera, yeah. if anybody's guilty, it's Hanna-Barbera. And we should have known that. If anyone, if anybody was going to copy right. and paste, it was Hanna-Barbera. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they, Very of true. the classic uh, brief animation, the, the repeated... Uh, I love the fact that like Fred only has three walking animations. <laughs> you know, it's like, he walks like this, he walks like that, he walks like this. That's it. That's all he's got. He's got three moves. Boop, 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 boop. That's over and over and over again. Go check out The Strange History of Pogs in the show notes. And uh, thank you again to our sponsor, Sleep With Me Podcast. We've got a couple more Pogs for you uh, before the end of the year. Jay, our next story here from Rain News top daily news podcasts ad loads durations and more um so rain brings us uh, kind of an exploration of uh the ad content so uh this is an interesting um undertaking by the folks over at rain uh and they're doing something it, it's 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 sort of like a segment within a segment they're, they're calling this pod spec which uh, details the podcasting space. This is in particularly sponsored by uh, it's a sponsored by segment, uh, and it's detailing some 
data that isn't necessarily mind-blowing or something very difficult to get to. Uh, but when you, they list it out for you in the way that they do, you sort of get a new understanding of what is actually occurring. And in this particular um in this particular writing, they took the sixteen. They took sixteen uh, daily news shows and examined uh, their length and how many ads and how long the ads played in the content of the show. Uh, they removed a couple of 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 the, You know, they explained exactly the shows that they ended up choosing uh, and where they got most of the. Inf- uh, and they used the top podcasts from the news category in Apple, Spotify, and Stitcher, and they used a very specific date, Monday, November 24th. They examined all of these shows uh, and listened to an episode of each show either on November 26th or November 27th, and then highlighted how long the episodes were, how long it took for you to get to the content of the show versus listening to an ad and, and how it got you to listening to the content of the show. Uh, interesting that of these podcasts, very few get right into the content. It takes, I believe it said the average, did it give me the average? It doesn't give me the average of how long it takes to get to the content, but you can look at this list uh, via the link that we have in the show notes and you can see that there are some, like up first from NPR, it takes a minute and 20 before you actually get to the content of up first. Uh, the intelligence say- by The Economist takes a minute before you get there. The Dan Bongino show from Westwood One, which I'm sure is a repurposed uh, radio show, takes two minutes and 52 seconds before you even get to the content. Well, of the, the one that, that is most egregious is the Daily Beans. The Daily Beans is the daily version of uh, the uh, Muller She Wrote uh, podcast. Basically, that's there at the same organization. And I listen to that show on occasion. It's also, you should note, the longest daily show. They're over an hour. Yes. Uh, so you could justify some more ad content definitely but 5 minutes 4 minutes and 52 seconds before you get to actual content holy moly yeah it's uh it's it's pretty eye opening um now the i believe it does give us an average length for most of these podcasts might be a little bit later on yeah 29 uh, minutes 29 minutes which is right at the the average uh the average podcast length during the test was 29 minutes about the length of a typical car commute and the average ad length in the daily news podcast was two minutes and six seconds that's the average ad length right for one ad not necessarily the total content of the ads in the show uh they do have the percentage of the ad load compared to the amount of content that is in the podcast and maybe not surprising enough, uh, maybe not all that surprising. uh, One of the shows that has one of the biggest ad load percentages is the daily with 11.4% of the content being ads. When you're listening to the daily, Uh, the largest uh, ad load was the gist with 12.7% ad load. Followed by the Ben Shapiro show again. A I don't well, 
I don't know if the Ben Shapiro show is necessarily repurposed radio content, but I believe it is. Well, they uh, and specifically then the, said that the they, Dan they, uh, Bungino show. They specifically said earlier that they marked out, uh, they removed top-ranked catch-up podcasts that come directly from radio or TV, such as Mark Levin, Audio Rewind, and the Rachel Maddow show. So I think the daily Ben Shapiro is not from radio, or not directly from radio. It's other content, too, perhaps. Obviously, I don't okay. know because that's not something I listen to. Right, right. I don't. <laughs> I don't listen to it either. But uh, you can also see uh, the different types of ads that each show uses. The Daily uses pre-recorded, uh, whereas Today Explained uses a live host read. Um, a lot of these actually use a lot of pre-recorded ads in their podcasts, uh, and some of these have uh, many ad breaks uh the daily for instance has three ad breaks uh the gist has three ad breaks the ben shapiro show has uh five ad breaks that, um, that plus a so, pre-roll and post-roll he gets seven ads right. per show yeah in an hour of content it's smart it's still look it's still not bad compared to radio correct correct compared to radio it's not that bad uh, the average ad length time, uh, again, if you're doing a live host read, you can expect that they're going to be a little bit longer. So the Dan Bongino show gets uh, right around a minute 59. Uh, the Daily Beans, about a minute 11. And What a Day at about a minute. Uh, everybody else is under a minute. Um, interesting that the Daily 202's big idea, their average ad length, they only had one pre-roll in this particular episode that they listened to. Um, I'd be curious to know if other episodes have ads in them or not, but only nine seconds for the daily 202's big idea. Well, it also looks like it's uh, one of, if not the shortest show. Yeah, it is. It's the shortest show too, at 13 minutes and 14 seconds, but still interesting. You, you only get 1% of uh, the total content being ad ad load. Um, so here's the couple of things that jump out to me. The amount of these big shows that have already moved to pre-recorded ads. That is uh, kind of surprising, honestly. I thought at the top of the charts we were still mostly doing um, you know, live host read. But that's it's about half and half based on this chart. And the other thing that's surprising to me, Jay, is how few of these shows use post rolls. Yeah, that is interesting. Um, like especially the short one, you know, the shows that are 13 minutes, 14 minutes long, why not have two post rolls or three Lord have mercy, put them all on there. You know, listen, post rolls are the dirtiest little secret in podcasting until the advertisers stop paying for them. You might as well have them. Uh, but maybe, maybe, uh, advertisers aren't paying for them anymore. So they figure don't put them in. I've heard others, that do a daily podcast, a lot of their listeners will binge them. So instead of listening to them on the day, they'll listen to them at the end of the week or they'll listen to them midweek. And when they're listening back to back to back and there's a pre-roll already there and now they've got a post-roll on the end of the first episode, right? Now you've got this big long ad break that you didn't necessarily intend for. It's an interesting, it's an interesting issue. Um, one that I that I had to deal with uh, on occasion 
when I worked at Blog Talk Radio dealing with with podcasters, and I was like, why aren't you putting post rolls? Well, because my audience tends to binge the show, and they complain about having an ad at the beginning and an ad at the end of the show, and it makes that 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 in between two episodes much too long. <laughs> I was like, I can guarantee that's not the average use case, but it was it was an interesting thing to deal with for sure. I um I, I can't say other than those two things that I'm blown away by any of the data here, but it it is again confirming what you and I have said about ads in general. The audience isn't overstuffed. You can put a tremendous amount of ad content into good quality podcast content and the audience won't revolt. Uh, know your audience, know what their desires are, and then try to serve them as best you can while also making your show make sense you know, money-wise. You and I have talked about our own misunderstanding of our audience with the dynamic ad content. They didn't want it. We, so we got rid of it. We got focused on specific ad ad breaks from sponsors within the industry, and that's working much better for us. So there you go. The Ben Shapiro show, a perfect example of he has five mid-roll ad breaks along with a pre-roll and a post-roll and is using live host reads. Uh, so the Ben Shapiro show, absolutely killing it monetarily. <laughs> I will tell you that right now. Because um, we know live host reads come with larger CPMs because they're essentially host endorsements of those particular products. And we also know uh, from things that have been written about that the Ben Shapiro show has a very loyal customer base. The audience is very loyal to that particular podcast and loyal to his advertisers. Um, he also tends to be, he's also a very conservative uh, talk show host, uh, which puts him in a very precarious situation where if he says something that might be just a little too far, he could find himself in some trouble with some of his advertisers because we've seen that before with other conservative talk show hosts. But um, at the present time, uh, I would say who's who, who's raking in the dough the most out of these? The Ben Shapiro show, <laughs> without a doubt. Uh, and again, as we mentioned on last week's episode about the top, you know, listen to podcasts of 2019 on Apple and Spotify, there's no one on this list that doesn't have a team. Right. That is absolutely 100 percent correct. Um, I, I couldn't even tell you which of these is the smallest. Yeah, I, uh, I, I wouldn't honestly. be certain about that either. Uh, but I mean, they're all pretty large organizations. Pro- I, if I was guessing, I would say it's the Daily Beans, uh, but that is based on very little actually. And and knowing what their numbers are on Patreon, uh, th- they've probably grown fairly large themselves. It's definitely uh, large enough to support, uh, you know, a handful of hands. Hey, uh, let's start doing a daily news show. Again. <laughs> that's the way it is (laughs) that's where the money is jay um oh god bless it here we go again to another medium article medium.com at least this one is branded properly they tell me at the top that it's blog.pacific slash content.com uh but it is also with medium 
Podcast episodes got shorter in 2019. Our friend Dan Meisner um, with a yearly analysis of average episode length. This is something that Dan's done in the past, um, but uh, some numbers here that we wanted to report and discuss for you. Last year, he said he tried to figure out the average length of a podcast episode. To do that, he analyzed metadata from 10 million podcast episodes. This year, he decided to do it again with a sample size nearly twice as large. He got metadata. This is crazy. 19 million episodes representing more than 600,000 distinct podcasts and started to crunch the numbers. Uh, and the most striking thing that he found this year, episodes got shorter. Yeah, it's a, it's, it's an interesting study. Uh, and I wonder what their, what their means were to getting this metadata. Cause there are some very distinct spikes one in particular in december of 09 uh where podcast length by by median i believe uh by average so that would be median uh dropped almost down to five percent um which doesn't i mean it would take a lot of podcasts in a sample size of 19 million to make it drop that far uh so something odd happened on uh, in the month of December back in 2009. There's a there's a couple of other big spikes. Um, uh, one in particular, it looks like uh, we're talking about June through September of 2013. Um, but there's another very significant spike where the average length dropped from essentially just over 45 minutes uh, down closer to 30 minutes and then came right back up uh, closer to that 45 minute mark. So uh, very odd spikes in, in the research, but yeah, the, it said back, back in the day, uh, the mean, well, he says basically that the mean average episode length was 41 minutes, 31 seconds, almost two minutes shorter than the overall mean average length he calculated last year. Uh, by getting rid of the outliers um, and eliminating the mean and making it a median, uh, it is actually 36 minutes and 34 seconds, which is also still two minutes shorter than the overall median average he calculated in 2018. Hmm. Uh, the interesting thing is he also broke this down by category as well. Um, you know, what categories tend to have longer episodes? Um what are the longest ones, Jay? Video games and wrestling, uh, which I, I mean, it sort of makes sense. I know from having children that they love, for whatever reason, watching other people play video games on YouTube. This is what they do. This is what Twitch is. Twitch's platform was essentially invented by video game players, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, if it wasn't, that's what it's essentially used for people playing video games uh, and other people watching them play the video games. Um, so that doesn't surprise me. Same with wrestling. Wrestling fans are fanatical uh, and they just gobble up that content like crazy. They're also very loyal. One thing they're not, they're not very good consumers. Uh, so while wrestling is a very popular category, uh, in terms of listening and the audience that is listening to those podcasts, 
They don't buy things. And again, this goes back to my whole uh, – there, there seems to be a couple of flaws in sort of the research because when I look at wrestlers, when I look at the wrestling category, you're talking about a key target demo, young males, 18 to 24, but they don't have money. Why would you – those guys have zero dollars. They're they're scraping by day to day. They're in college. They, they're living off of ramen noodles. They can't – they don't have any money to go buy big expensive things, whereas an NPR listener is most likely a little bit older and more established and probably a professional and owns a house and has a giant salary. And they can go buy things. So I don't know. There's stuff in research that that just makes me question uh, what it's all about. Uh, But uh, conversely, Joel, what are the shortest podcasts? Oh, my goodness. I loved watching this chart just like drop off. It is is really interesting going through. This one's my favorite in this whole article. Uh, As you go down and look at the list, the absolute shortest podcasts, uh, by median anyway, are language learning category. The language learning category is just 7.98 minutes long. Uh, Astronomy, 9.77 minutes. Daily news, uh, that's number three from the bottom at 10 minutes. And then stories for kids, education for kids, mathematics and books on up. But the ones that, that are in the middle, those are interesting to me too. Those seem to be basically the most popular podcasts if you really look like so there's documentary there's sports news there's news commentary uh spirituality christianity is in there you know just over 30 minutes or so and then you get up to uh stand up which is all the way up at like 41 minutes and then after shows gets up to 45 then you get into your longer ones your comedy interviews your tv and film your tv reviews animation and manga that are all headed up back up there to wrestling it's just it's so interesting to me again to see the shows that are coming from the categories that are dominated by media organizations media professionals former presenters and broadcasters celebrities etc cetera, etc cetera, those are bite size <laughs> And the shows that are dominated, the categories that are dominated by independents, by, you know, uh, hobbyists, those are the ones that are the marathons. Yeah, that's a that's also a very good point. Uh, astute point by you, Joe. Um, film history. You think that one's skewed by Dan, Dan Carlin? Yeah. <laughs> 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 uh, I don't know. Uh, I mean, he doesn't talk about film. He only talks about history. But it, it, it that's a very, very astute point, Joel. Um, yeah. Uh, I do think, I don't know, we, we make too much, we make way too much about the length of a podcast. And I so agree. They even, they, I mean, it, it's nice that Pacific Content even points it out at the end of this article where, you know, there is no one size fits all recommendation for episode length um, podcasts. Now, what they do say is podcasts are a medium built on loyalty and habit. The best shows earn their place in a listener's daily, weekly, monthly routine. As a podcaster, your goal should to be make episodes that are long enough to fit into your listeners' lives in a regular, ongoing, meaningful way and no longer. And that's good advice. I'm not going to sit here. So, what I've often said is to a new podcaster, 
There's no way in the world I'm going to tell a new podcaster, go out and make a show that's as long as Dan Carlin, that's as long as Joe Rogan's, uh, and you're going to be successful. No, I can't tell a new podcaster that type of information whatsoever. I'd be laughed out of here if I did. Um, what I can tell that person is exactly this. Start short. Your audience is ultimately going to dictate what is too short and what is too long. And they're going to, and they'll dictate that to you in a number of different ways. They're either going to stop listening. Thus, you know that you're too long, or they're going to start sending you all sorts of feedback, whether it's social media or it's in other manners. Uh, Hey, I would like more content from you like you're, you're i need more from you and and once you get the hang of it then you can start growing and growing and growing and you can determine what size is best for your audience I, yeah i agree with all of that jay i agree with all of that we worry too much about the length of of podcasts but in the long term your audience is going to tell you what they want and how you can better serve them or best serve them i should say um Interesting, interesting information, though, from Pacific Content. I appreciate that. And the link is in the show notes. Check it all out. Uh, yeah, it's, it's uh, well, I don't know. I, I don't want to, you use that phrase, Tom Webster's phrase about the highly polished crap. I don't know that that's what's at the top right. of that list. But it does seem like those are the sorts of categories that we think of as, you know, that reality TV type stuff. Uh, the, the non-scripted entertainment, as it were. Well, right. I mean, video games, wrestling, uh, games, film history, film reviews, animation and manga, TV reviews, music, TV and film, comedy interviews. And then we get into religion, running, music history. I mean, all of those categories ahead are exactly what Tom Webster is referring to. Like, where is the Roseanne bar of podcasting? Uh, It would be in those categories that I just listed out. Well, I can tell you this, Jay. I don't know if podcasts as a whole are getting shorter, but our podcast is going to be shorter this week. Here we are under an hour. Look at that. Uh, as we no wrap up way. Today. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, we're doing it. We're out of here. Uh, can we talk about the Mandalorian or something? No, I don't have anything. I don't have any new. Th- I don't want to spoil anything. It's getting too close. It, listen, it's it's go time. It's crunch time here on uh, on uh, the rise of the Skywalker and. Uh, it's it's time for us to keep our mouths shut, I think. Uh, folks, do watch The Mandalorian if you haven't and uh, get caught up on that because I think there's going to be some tie-ins. I, I've been watching a lot of YouTube videos. I got I got my uh, yarn board all set up making my connections. I'm, I'm ready, Jay. I see the galaxy brain now. The last episode was in a very familiar place. It was. It, it was. It was. Uh, it, uh, I had a bad feeling about it when it started. Mm. yeah but i have i have i have warm fuzzy feelings now um jay tell everybody where they can find you by the way particularly if they're a uh, college sports podcaster college sports podcasters i am looking for you uh if you want to join the locked on podcast network i would love to talk to you about it all you need to do is send me an email podvader at lockedonpodcasts.com or you can tweet at me at the real podvader on twitter Uh, My DMs are open, so you can just DM me if you don't want to have a public conversation, which you probably don't. I mean, I probably advise against that. We'll have a private conversation. We can, we can have a good, we can have a good talk. Uh, You can find me at. 
propodcastingservices.com or on Twitter at The Rogue's Life for my personal profile or podcasting underscore pro for my business page there. Check that out and uh, say hello. I'd love to hear you. I'd love to help you with your show if you're looking for consultation in the new year or getting ready to launch a new show. We'd love to help you out there. Or if you've got a brand or business that's looking for editing and uh, production, I handle those services as well. My company does. Um, Jay. Until next week, we have been your hosts. I'm Joel. I'm Jay, and I am not filming your hand motions on the sideline and trying to determine who your substitutes are. It's just not happening. Trust me. And we are always listening. Always Listening is a proud member of the Two Guys and a Rogue Network. You can find all of our past episodes, including more than 100 podcast reviews, at alwayslisteningpod.com. In Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, or anywhere you listen to podcasts. For help on your podcast, visit propodcastingservices.com. Our theme song is Enough from Bethany Raver. Two guys and a rogue. I'm one guy. I'm the other. And this is The Network.